Hey Finn, how you going? Oh, I'm doing uh, okay. You, how are you doing? Uh, I'm alright. I'm a bit concerned this week. Uh, we are facing uh, one of the greats, Psycho 1960, by uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the 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 final Hitchcock film on, on, on the list, I believe. Uh, Finn. Yeah. Look, am I, am I am I wrong as shit here? Am I very wrong? I have two words for you. Hello, hello. Oh, oh fuck! Right, yeah. I I forgot yeah. about that movie because I don't like it that much. Finn, but the <laughs> lyrics of that song are like "Hello, hello." Yeah. It's not a place called Vertigo. Maybe you just really internalize that U2 song. Um, yeah, no, we face Psycho, which is undoubtedly a classic, but also um, troubling, viewed yeah. through a modern lens. And with that... Yeah, also viewed through a 1960 lens. It's, it's a purposely troubling movie. No, but like there is... okay. But parts of it are troubling in in the way in the way of like the films of Quentin Tarantino, and some are troubling in like the behavior of <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. You know, yeah. Um, and with that is uh, Brian De Palma's uh, like Psycho and a and a scene of Vertigo remake, uh, Dress to Kill which manages to look at Psycho and go like, the thing I don't like about this is that it is not transphobic enough. <laughs> um, and, and obviously we have a bit of a spotty history at, uh, in terms of representation, mainly the fact that we were like, let's get a guest. Oh, we'll get uh, our mate Josh. Uh, and then we decided after that to do, Two films about people with visual impairments uh, tokenizing him, and, and obviously these two films t- touch on real hot button issues. Um, and, and and I wanted to make sure we didn't make the same mistake. So this is actually um, uh, not going to be an episode uh, uh, of Shite and Sound. I'm just going to speed round it quickly. Uh, uh, I've got a uh, a guest to come in and. And, and, and sit in for me, one who who's more attuned to these issues. Uh, uh, and so yeah, I'm just going to do a speed round uh, of my opinions. Then I'll duck out. And uh, someone who I think is better suited to to speak to uh, the 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 trans dimension, uh, uh, the 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 issues around it, um, will join us uh, if if that's okay. Uh, so yeah, obviously, uh, uh, Psycho is is justifiably a masterpiece. Uh, every scene uh, is great at doing what it does. Uh, it is at oh, where did you go? Where are you? And I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Number twenty on my list of the films we've watched between all four hundred of them blows right above that angry cow, uh, uh, Bobby De Niro. Um, uh, uh, the, the one that I would just really like to cite, like the reason it's not just a great film of scares is, <clears throat> you've never ever had an empty moment in your whole life, have you? Only my share. Where are you going? I don't mean to pry. I'm looking for a private island. What are you running away from? Why do you ask? No. People never run away from anything. The rain 
didn't last very long. You know what I mean? I think we're all in our private traps, clamped in them, and none of us can ever climb out. We scratch and claw, but only at the air, only at each other, and for all of it, we never budge an inch. Sometimes we deliberately step into those traps. I was born in mine. I don't mind it anymore. You should mind it. Oh, I do, but I say I don't. Uh, and then he laughs. That's why this film is uh, uh, unassailably sound, uh, just on my end. Uh, uh, Dress to Kill uh, is, uh, um, while I respect Brian De Palma looking at the most boring scene of Psycho, which is the psychiatrist at the end and being like, <laughs> how do I make that more interesting? Doing it with more transphobia is uh, morally unacceptable, uh, good as he is at shooting spectacle, and uh, especially because, like, the films he would make after this, like, blow out, like, blow out, uh, which feels very much like a response to this, do feel like him being like, yeah, I really should think about how I look at and consider women and the feminine. Uh, uh, so it is shite and um, I have it at um, uh, I have it at number sixty three beneath Casablanca and above whatever happened to Baby Jane, which I believe is my highest ranked shite film. It's a great piece of craft, uh, but but that's all it uh, from me. Check out uh, you know um, blah blah blah. Check it out at the end. Okay, bye. Hey Finn, good day. <laughs> Hey, I'm doing okay. How are you We haven't met in person. My name's no. Richard Explicit. <laughs> I am a massive supporter. Uh, um, I ha- Look, I just want to upfront put out my uh, ally bona fides because, yes, I know what you're thinking. He's a cis man who used to be in a band. And, and people say I take up space when I speak to issues that don't directly relate to me, but Hey, my mum was a woman, and I've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, so I've got all the attention I want. I mean, qualifications I need to be a good trans ally and speak to their representation as this in this. So, welcome to Explicit and Sound. <laughs> 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 I mean, you're you're. The, I'm only a guest, and you're just not. You're just giving me nothing, mate. I mean, you're re- really sort of uh, <laughs> ma- 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 making a big splash right up top, and just uh, undercutting all my confidence in, in this podcast that I've been hosting for over a year now. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make waves, mate. <laughs> oh, did you, did you hear about Shadow Splash Planet for the summer? Ah, oh, terrible. There are going to be so many fewer waves now. I mean, I as much as I love swapping spit with people, mate, Finn, mate, even I, you know, with my friend Jacinda, who I text, I love to, um, I'm like, maybe shut down Splash Planet as the COVID molecules might, you know, get into the water like cordial, you know? And then Splash Planet's just COVID Planet. Yeah. What a tough time. (laughs) (laughs) Look, 
You used to leave me left me a note here, and it just says, "I, you I have did a venereal not- disease." <laughs> <laughs> so note here that says, "I've cut out your kidneys, and I'm selling them on the black market." <laughs> nah, you mate. For, no. You for why'd you do this? <laughs> Nah, it's just, uh, I, I genuinely did not realise how much you would bounce off this bit that I, I am currently uh, 70% committed to doing for a whole episode. The whole time? Oh, no. Okay, okay, fuck it. I'm just like, what do we do? Yeah, like, how, I'm- like, I was, I'm like, watching Dress to Kill. Watching Just to Kill, which starts with a long De Palma single take through a house to a naked woman, woman in a shower, just to a, like, even for De Palma, even for De Palma, surprisingly explicit scene of a woman masturbating in a shower. She's, she is so naked. (laughs) And it is in a way where you're. Yeah, maybe like for. The like first time there's just like a close up of 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 her like just like massaging her own breasts. You're like, yo, sure, this is a Palmer movie. I mean, yeah. as the camera just like just goes down to her crotch, you're like, oh, okay, it was oh, like all right, you you used to be able to get away with this in movies. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like even like art films these days don't get as explicit as this mainstream theatrically released film got like gets in the first two and a half minutes. It- it is pornography. It, yeah. it is it, it more so like in in a it it is not as many nipples as Sion Sona, but it is much less arch. Like it is just like hubba. Yeah. Like and it was seeing that in my head. I was like, okay, because watching Psycho and being like, God, what an exquisite masterpiece of craft on every yeah. level. It's one of those movies that you finish and you're just like, yeah, I fucking love movies. This is why yeah. we do it. Oh, I was uh, oh, watching it in 4K oh. uh, and uh, uh, you can you too. It's on the Plex. Um, and it is just seeing through that immaculately scanned grain with this beautifully restored sound to, to Anthony Perkins, like... A thousand-year-old baby face trembling under the weight of fear and violence uh, is 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 transcendent cinema, <laughs> and, and like at least it has someone at the end, like Silence of the Lambs, be yeah. like, "No, this isn't a trans person. No, this this is this is just a murderer who like." Like who dressed yeah. up as a woman as part of their psychosis? They're not trans, and like in in Psycho, it, it like it kind of feels like that is because oh we can't have a trans person in this movie because because they will get like stopped by the censorship boards. And in Silence of the Lambs, it's very much responding to movies like Psycho and Dressed to Kill. That for like yeah, seeing Psycho being like, how do we talk about this? Because it's so good, but there's clearly a problem. And then immediately the start of Dress to Kill, <laughs> which is, as we've described, a piece of celluloid going homna, 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 <laughs> check out Angie Dickinson, uh, pneumatic body, it's set. 
And I was like, because we are, how do we just not spend an hour to four hours going, look, obviously we do not speak for the trans community. We, 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 we are allies and, and we, we, we think some of this is better than it is others. But oh. And I was just like, no, the answer to that is to have someone who's like, I don't know. <laughs> My name's Richard Explicit, and I can I think tits are good, but also, uh, you know, I like attention. So I said, you know, I thought I thought, but it, it turns out that I, you know, I. Okay, it, 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 I I'm constantly shocked by the fact that, like, uh, a few years ago, I paid a lot of money for improv classes when I. Just seem to have like a physical aversion to improv. <laughs> Any time you bring it up, I'm just like, no, no, shut it down. It, it is, it is that you go uh, into. It's that you always lean back into like a slight, like defensive posture. <laughs> like yeah, you think, yeah, like the improv is going to like, like jump out of the screen <laughs> or across the table at you. That like it will infect you. If you're just making it up as you go along, like no, no, no one's safe. I, I mean, I. So, do you think <laughs> that the, the improv always leads to murder? Yes. Hello and welcome to Shifting and Sound, a podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically revolved film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 37 on the side and sound list, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, a possibly transphobic film buoyed by incredible scoring, performances, and some of the greatest twists in cinema. Our second film this week is Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill, a definitely transphobic film buoyed by uh, some of the shots look real cool. But they do. They look they look, so... Like, absolutely oh. they do. That, uh, As I was telling you before we started, I'm very conflicted on this movie because I hate yeah. transphobia, but I love split diopters. <laughs> and just split screens generally. Uh, he loves to split things, and I think that's great about him. I, uh, well, to talk about Dress to Kill, to talk about Psycho, is it is like, it is so interesting because Dress to Kill is so clearly in conversation with Psycho. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, De Palma has been open about it. It's not even a critical reading. It's basically text. Yeah. It, it is the, the like most Hitchcockian of, of the like American new wave directors doing his like, most explicit Hitchcock pastiche. Uh, and like what he chooses to shift is illuminating of both, right? Because Psycho. <laughs> is a film about uh, um, voyeurism. Mm. 
to the point of, you know, uh, a guy interesting to say anymore. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, dressed to kill is about, uh, like looking at the self. So psycho is full of people looking through portals Mm. and and dressed to kill is full of people looking in mirrors at themselves or other people. Yeah. And the and that like illuminates the difference, right? Because Psycho Man, what a fucking portal it is to look through. Uh, um, like the 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 balance of the plot apart, the the scene to scene mastery of it entirely aside, those performances just in the pocket. Yeah, it just how it looks. And like that, that so much of the power of that quote I read at the beginning when I thought I wouldn't be discussing psycho in depth, <laughs> that conversation is so heightened by how they are in these incredibly uneasy mid shots when, when Norman is tur- talking, turking, he loves birds, turkey, does. uh, to, to Marion. So they're in, they look like pretty simple shots, but just the very nature of how Norman is lit just a little off the birds around him and that Marion is, is kind of caught in this and slightly too small in this chair. It just, oh, it just, I just think it's good. I think it's neat, you know? Yeah. You know, I like that part where uh, she's in the car and she's driving. And then, and then the score's real good. I mean, Man, yeah, great. I yeah, I, I do. I <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm, I do I'm think not sure inter- I'm, I'm not sure how much in- interesting stuff there is left to say about Psycho. It's been like one of the most discussed movies in the world for the last sixty years. You know, it's obviously great. This is probably my like third or fourth time seeing it. It like hit me a lot harder this time, knowing like all the twists and all and all the reveals, and having seen all those like moments of violence so many times before. Yeah, this time, like hmm. e- every single one of them, just, like fit, like felt like it was my first time seeing it, and like hit 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 me as hard as it must have hit like any audience member back in nineteen sixty. The confrontation in the basement at the end of the movie, where like where Vera Miles. Turns around the turns around the skeleton, and you see those like you see those hollow eye sockets, and the yeah. big skeleton just grinning at her, and then and then Norman runs in behind her in a dress with a knife. It's just like absolutely. I was covering my. I was like, I was like covering my fucking face. I've seen it so many times, but like it's like it still just fucking works so well. It is like it. It, it is like. It's a movie that's like famous for its twists and its reveals, but I, I think it like it's like it doesn't like like but, but you you cannot spoil Psycho. Knowing what happens in Psycho does not remove any of the fear or the tension because all of that is in like Hitchcock's just complete fucking mastery of everything he's doing. Well, and it also all it does. Uh, knowing the nature of Norman and his mother's relationship before the film learns it, all it does is make Norman the protagonist earlier. Yeah. Um, because 
he you 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 are already focused on him mm. and, and Perkins is giving a, a a performance of like such manner and and like detail I was going to say nuance but he is also just playing a a crazy cross dresser you know yeah. but like the the when you watch him first meet Marion or or watching her through the hole or you know his panic uh, uh, at hearing about the murder and cleaning it up that those sequences have a different but no less powerful impact when you know that he is cleaning up for himself. Mm. And I think it is a a sense of character within character, uh, of rewatchability baked into it. Uh, all right, so, Finn, there's a bit of Psycho I want to talk about. I don't think many people talk about it. That's what my punchline is going to be. What bit do I want to talk about? Uh, you want to talk about uh, the swamp. I don't think enough people talk about the shower scene in <laughs> Psycho. Because the thing that struck me, of course, you know, who took credit for it? Saul Best did storyboards, claimed he yeah. directed it himself, shot in a week, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, all the senses looking at it. That, But, like, we... Like as as film shits or people who have been on the Wikipedia page or IMDb page for Psycho, we we can we can list the things, but I think the thing no one captures is how that with all those cuts, you know, how he like he always said sixty cuts in forty seconds or whatever the fuck. The documentary about it is uh, seventy eight fifty two. 78 shots and 52 cuts. Yeah, but that yeah. is that is quoting Hitchcock who let the details change as he told the story. There's right. definitely an like it is it it it, it 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 you know, it's not important, but yeah. it's the fact that you you know, I have seen that oh, at least a dozen times throughout my life and, and it is very affecting except for the one cut which is just weirdly where it just seems like the knife is just being placed next to her stomach. That always feels weird to me. Yeah. But it, but it is the fact that we we know that film has been meticulously assembled and then disassembled by sensors, so that there is absolutely beyond blood a knife and no a no, knife coming towards a woman and the noise that you never see her stabbed. Yeah. And there is absolutely no nudity. And yet, at the end of it, you are like... I just saw I, a naked woman get stabbed. And, yes. and, 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 like, in a way that is just deeply affecting. And mm. even, like, it, it, we can list all the facts about it, but that is all wood. Uh, in, in, in that is all, Those are all trees in the forest of the fact that the reason it survives is not only does it do its job incredibly well, like the jarring timing of, 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 of Norman's mother coming through the door behind the curtain is always surprising to me, you know, and that this film was made like shape of water between seasons of a TV show for no money. (laughs) Because the studio didn't really 
uh, uh, trust the director with a big budget after um, uh, like Vertigo was seen as this big budget folly and North by Northwest was a grower, not a shower, I believe. Yeah, uh, after like what is now considered maybe the best decade run that any director has ever had. Uh, I mean, and like from from, yeah. from stage fright to North by Northwest. Yeah, it's like, uh, that ten year run is stage fright, nineteen fifty, Strangers on a Train, nineteen fifty one, then nineteen fifty three is I Confess, nineteen fifty four is Dialing for Murder and Rear Window, fifty five is To Catch a Thief and the Trouble with Harry, fifty six is The Man Who Knew Too Much and The Wrong Man, fifty eight is Vertigo. And 59 is North by Northwest. And his assistant brought him this book uh, uh, that had just come out. And he was like, oh, this is pretty, uh, This is, there's some fun stuff in this. <laughs> I, 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 maybe he wouldn't have phrased it like that. Um, oh, maybe, he's a, you know. Um, and, maybe he was and, just a pretty cash guy off the set. And then uh, that is not absolute. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm very sorry, but I've instantly got an email from Tippy Hedron's estate's lawyers. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't, see, I haven't, I haven't seen the movie where Anthony Hopkins plays him or whatever. I mean, I don't, if, I don't know what he was like. I mean, if you're played by Anthony Hopkins, you're a great guy. I think <laughs> that's the rule, right? Richard Nixon, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Captain Bly. My father, I mean the father. Shut (laughs) up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hannibal Nectar, bee murderer. Um, The guy who looked after the elephant man. He actually was pretty nice. But he he took the book to whoever he was making films with, and they were like, oh, yeah, we've seen this book. Uh, Yeah, it sucks. And he's like, no, I think there's something. And they're like, Mate, we just let you make Vertigo. No one likes Vertigo. Vertigo will have no long tail. Vertigo will not be cited. You just wasted a bunch of our money on a film we will never profit from or or blow the, or, or or tout the prestige of. Yeah. And North by Northwest, cool. You did a thriller, but with less plot and more action. That will not take off. <laughs> and he was like, I do think this is good. And now, and but what if I did it for under a million dollars? I didn't take a fee. I did it for a percentage of profits, and shot it with my TV crew in black and white. And they were like, "Fine, Alfred, go fucking waste some weeks of your life." Uh, and he made Psycho, and apparently it sucked. Uh, the story, the one of the two writers who worked on it. Was like, oh yeah, he, when he f- saw the first cut, he was like, oh no, they were right. I fucked this up. It's too tawdry. Um, we'll, we'll just cut this down and put it in, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which is his TV anthology. Yeah. Um, from whence he used the, 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 um, the, the crew. The crew. Yeah. yeah. And then Bernard Herman was like, mate, I have just been listening. Uh, I went down to the park with some bread uh, uh, that I put heroin and razor blades in and I started throwing it to the swans and they just started making these really like, have you ever heard swans screaming 
because they love the bread they're eating, but it's also hurting them. Well, it kind of sounds like these violins (laughs) and that made the film, right? Like, even though every element of it makes the film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like, I've. I've heard a lot of Bernard Herrmann scores. Like he, he, cause he, he's, he is like one of those guys who just sort of worked on everything that's important. Yeah. Like, 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 like a, if you watch a good movie from the thirties through to the like late fifties, yeah. you look at the costume designer, it was probably Edith Head. And yeah. if, if you watch a good movie from the early forties to the mid seventies, it was probably scored by Bernard Herrmann. And like, and today I tried to pay like even more attention than usual to the score, and just like from the, I, I have like a very uh, bad ear for melody and stuff, and so I I, I don't remember film uh, scores if, often. I, if but, you are looking for melody in Bernard Herrmann's score yeah. for Psycho, though, yeah, no, that, that's, that's that's why this one fucking works for me. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. so memorable because it, it, it's like it, it takes all the stuff I love about. <laughs> Uh, well, like a weird, like a Eastern European avant-garde classical music, and uh, makes it like kind of more commercial and puts it in a movie made by one of the great uh, filmmakers. Uh, and the thing that always strikes me about the score is uh, is how, is how self evidently the score it is, if you know what mm. I mean. Yeah, uh, uh, and how it fits the film in an incredibly modern way, whereas you watch. I watched Doctor No recently because you know I'm, um, uh, you know I've got some saving bonds due, saving up before, you know we get let out of lockdown uh, before Christmas because no. Jacinda wants to get reelected and I get to go see No Dime to Tie, and, and that film is released two years after this. Was expected to be a massive success. Right, the score is recorded with a huge orchestra. And yet, throughout, it is at they really weird times. The pacing is always off. They had so much more resource on that. And this is not a case of being like, oh, they had, they did more with less. It is like, no, they just knew where and when to put it. Yeah. Like, and, and what it should sound like in, in a way that is modern and not meaning modern as like, it's like a film that came out yesterday. It's modern in that, like, you wouldn't, like, it feels timeless. You wouldn't change it. Yeah. No notes, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah like, the, like, first moment of the film is, is the, like, beginning of the, of, of the Saul Bass credit sequence. Yeah. With Bernard Herrmann's psycho theme playing. And it's, it's one of those title sequences that, like, has no information, but just sort of tells you everything about how you should watch the movie. Yeah, and, and not even in a, like, uh, the way that Scott Pilgrim starts by telling you its approach to music, by having opening credits that look like scratchy, burned-in factory records, Mad Madchester, and, and also, obviously, 24-Hour Party People, which does the same thing for the same reason, or, like, Enter the Void. Yeah. Uh, 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 in this, it is, like, Okay, we are going to have a bunch of intersecting lines and words will like words will slightly shift within them. Mm. And, and that's what this film feels like. It's so much more abstract. It's not yeah. going to a deliberate cultural touchstone. It is be like thing that Psycho was doing which that credit sequence is like showing you what it's going to be doing 
is on like a very, very basic level. It is taking things that are very, very familiar to you as a film goer in 1960. And it is fucking with them just enough that they become sort of unrecognizable and horrifying. Yeah. Which is what is happening with all of the like words being formed and being like mangled by, by, by those lines. Well, and, and like that, that is part of uh, uh, Hitchcock's. So much of the effect of this film is Hitchcock understanding how it needs to be surprising and jarring and how that has to start outside of it. There is the legend that I hope is true that as soon as he got the rights, he instructed all his assistants to go to every bookshop and buy every copy so fewer people would read yeah, it, yeah. so it wouldn't be spoiled. But like in 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 the foyers of cinema, they gave them a special record of music to play at, towards the beginning of the film that was like, 10 minutes to psycho time. <laughs> Five minutes to psycho time. And, and then play that song from Halloween 3 where it's like, Six more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you seen I, Halloween I mean, 3 recently? It was pretty oh, good. I, I, I like Finn, yes, but also um, I have watched it so recently that technically it's still in my future. So oh, I, cannot, I cannot actually, you know, I don't have a, a direct take on it. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what, uh, Stonehenge plays a surprisingly big role in it. Also, in like multiple scenes, uh, a child's head uh, turns into bugs. Okay. <laughs> Is, those both sound like they could, like, if obviously there's a, a big cultural thing you have to deal with when you're representing Stonehenge. It has a lot of meaning to a, a kind of arcane group within England. And so are they respectful about the, that's the place where the Pandorica is, where the, <laughs> the legion of all the aliens of the world create the ultimate prison in which to entrap the doctor? I don't think they touch on it. They, they definitely don't discount it. Yeah, but like, that's yeah, still if, erasure. If you're someone in the know, like you or I, you, you, yeah, you watch yeah. Halloween Free, be like, oh, the bloody doctor's under there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or Amy. Depending yeah, on right. anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Depending on where the time, where in the timeline you are, have you ever wondered what adventures did Rory have while predicting protect while protecting the Pandorica? Uh, I'm guessing there is uh, an audio series about it. Yeah, I've got 14 hours <laughs> of audio adventures. You, I have not even heard them. I do love Arthur Darvel though. Yeah, he's he's, he's pretty good. He writes musicals. Is, oh yeah, 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 and, he, and like good, not like I'm um, not 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 like the greatest showman. Every time I am reminded of the greatest showman, I'm like, oh Often yeah, by me. written by you. No, it's, oh, oh, uh, 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 <laughs> often by me. Oh, right. uh, I, I, I'm often the person who reminds you about the greatest showman. Can I give you my alternate take? Sure. Uh, uh, of mishearing you a second time because I thought you said, oh, that's me. And I thought you were saying that as me. So it is that my response to The Greatest Showman is, oh, a film about me, The Greatest yeah. Showman. And then I see it and I'm like, I do not identify with this character. And then at the end, after he's done a bunch of irredeemable stuff, 
even in this film that cuts out all the worst stuff P.T. Barnum did, all of his friends who he has exploited, used and rejected are like, come on, we still love you. And then I'm like, you're you're, 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 you're great. We love you, man. You're you're the greatest showman. Everything you do is automatically correct. And then I'm like, I do hope this film is about me. I hope this is what my future is. Any way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah. And also, like, they were counting down to Psycho Time to get people into the film because you had to watch it from the start, which was a massive innovation. Of yeah. course, at, at the time, everyone knows this. The main character is killed off 40 minutes and blah, blah, blah. Um, we know all the facts, but like it integrates so well. It's so good. Yeah, this is the second Janet Lee film we've watched for, for, for the podcast, the, the first being a Touch of Evil. And I'm not fully sure whether or not I like this film more than I like Touch of Evil. But I think this is a much better character for Janet Lee, who is like, really done a disservice in, in Touch of Evil by being stuck in one room most of the time and just having to, like, scream or act scared. Yeah. Whereas, like, in, in, in this, you feel like she is given a much, like, a, a, a much more fully rounded character who, like, actually has things that she, like, uh, wants to do and then does. She has yeah. uh, hopes and Steal wishes. Steal money. Yeah. Return she, the money. Live. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But like, she, 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 she feels, like, much more of an actual person than than her character in, in, in Touch of Evil. But like one of the things that uh, I think works about this movie, which doesn't work in Dress to Kill, I have not seen any other Angie Dickinson movies, I don't think, about, like, apart from I, I, I know she is in the Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven, but I, don't, I, uh, I, I believe it's just like a cameo, and I don't, I don't, rem- yeah. I don't remember her in it. But like, but, but like Janet Lee is such a fucking movie star in Psycho. She, she is, she is like so captivating and is, is giving like such great performance and, and, and ju- just feels like so incredibly like watchable and like she is anchoring the film. But, but like when she dies, it feels like, like it, it, it feels like a loss that, that like the, 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 the film will struggle to recover from. But then it doesn't because it has a bunch of other leads who are like, just as interesting as her. Yeah. Whereas Dress to Kill, like, starts off with, starts off by following the least interesting character in the movie for the first, like, 40 minutes. And then she dies, and you're like, okay, I guess she's dead now. And then Nancy Ellen shows up and is uh, so much more charismatic than Angie Dickinson is. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And it is like, the, the other difference, right? When you look through a, a, a portal, when we look into a world, it continues. Mm. And so it is that sense of like Psycho and Hitchcock creating this stage. Like this is so tense. Oh my God, come in. You have to be there from the beginning. You cannot tell anyone what happens. But that is building the portal and what he shows you through it uh, uh, is so compelling. And, and feels so detailed. So it is like the fact that Marion has just made the decision that actually she's not going to go and meet her, her boyfriend. Mm. She's going to go return the money and see what happens. And we don't really know where that's going. She's doing these sums and we're not quite 
It's not quite sure why. Yeah. Uh, and then she just gets in the shower and killed. And so it is this real sense uh, of it's not that her story is over. It is that has been interrupted. Yeah. It, it, it is it is disrupted. And like uh, against that is that we then switch to Norman, like who is very much in the middle of his story. And then. And against and then, that, and then, yeah, right, yeah, and like and when when you're building a mirror, like mirrors can only show you or themselves, and, and you can't. There's nothing like there is no continuity within them, and so it is like the problem with Angie Dickinson's character is not that it's Angie Dickinson, yeah, it's that she is, you know, she's got problems. Yeah, it, it, it is just like, bad at fucking. Yeah, it's it's like super basic, like middle aged woman, sexually unsatisfied. Yeah, like 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 not like nineteen seventies movie like psychiatry shit. And, and and you go like, like what is the like? There's not a plot you're tracking with her apart from the fact. I mean, there is, but there is not one as strong as the money. No. Th- thank you, Robert Block, for writing a chapter and a half about Marion, then Mary stealing money, and then thanks Hitchcock and his two writers for being like, oh, no, this chapter and a half should be the first 40 to 50 minutes of the yeah. film. <laughs> um, yeah, all the stuff with Angie Dickinson in, in Dress to Kill feels like it's either the scenes of Michael Caine, which are super boring, like psychosexual mumbo jumbo. It's mm. it's the stuff with her kid, which is not particularly interesting, like strained parent child relationship stuff. Or it's the stuff with like like her following that guy around the art museum, which is like someone put an Antonioni movie on fast forward. Well it's Vertigo. It is it's yeah, just yeah. it's just like it it is and this is just because I have also ripped recently ripped my four K of Vertigo. <laughs> Because um, can't wait to watch that for Duplex, um, and it, and like and, and the bit I checked that the rip is fine was that scene, and I was like, oh yeah, no, it, it it's just that bit of vertigo, and I mean like mm. Jimmy Stewart isn't there staring, but it it just isn't, and like the thing that that De Palma learns even when the films are bad. I think from this is that like like plot fucking matters like follow the mechanics I think the point of doing blowout was being like okay so I've got to do a film that is actually mechanical I can do all my fucking tricks there can be just hot people in this and there's going to be so many split screens but like, I need a mechanic through which things uh, 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 unravel. Yeah, he's very explicitly doing a riff both on Psycho and on Giallo movies, and, and like in Giallo movies, the plot is not important at all most of the time. Yeah, and they exist solely on like powerful images. But you can't. Yeah, but it it becomes clear. But that but it only serves to illuminate 
why Hitchcock did not shoot his films Giallo and Giallo yeah. did not plot their films Hitchcock, <laughs> yeah. which is not a diss on either. It is just that he he seems to be falling between two stools right before he gets to the psychiatrist scene where he's like, well, the thing is, this person was transsexual and that put them in such conflict with themselves, they could they could only become a murderer. It's, uh, uh, you know, like it, yeah. it is. Uh, let, let, let's cap off Psycho. The the point I, 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 I want to make about, about stressing the ritual Hitchcock put into it all the way in how you had to lead into it the trailer that is famously him giving you a tour of the hotel, um, ending uh, with uh, uh, telling you that something horrific happens in the shower, the 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 radio ads, which were him essentially saying my next film is, and then a woman screaming, like the sense of tension, uh, uh, creates this incredibly tense work, which would work as a shock. You know, like that, it's essentially also what they did with the Blair Witch Project. But the thing Hitchcock also made sure to do was that all of that is icing, but the cake tastes good. You watching this film without all that amped up or it not being a surprise, it is still as effective, Mm. you know? Uh, uh, so I don't need to tell you what my opinion on it is. I did that at the beginning yeah. as a foolish gesture. Uh, uh, but Finn, uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film, American Psycho. Uh, do you consider it sound or shite? Uh, I consider it a uh, sound. Yeah. I think, hey. it's, I think it's super good. Uh, I, I love, I, I love watching it, um, I, and uh, it is currently at uh, number fifteen on my uh, on on my list. I I think I and I just I really want to stress how good Anthony Perkins is. Oh I, yeah, absolutely. He's someone who like didn't really get to do a whole lot of like great stuff over years because he kept getting cast as Norman Bates or being asked to play someone like Norman Bates and refusing until he was like, fine, I will just fucking do sequels. Yeah. But but, but, but like he, he is, he is incredible in this. He is, uh, he's, he's fantastic in the trial as well. I love love him in that. Oh yeah. Like uh, I, I, uh, Orson Welles, the trial, Starring Anthony Perkins as Joseph K, um, it is it is an incredibly good film, and the reason I stress this is because, dear audience, uh, uh, you can absolutely and legally watch this film right now. Once we have finished this podcast, just look it up because that is one of those films like Night of the Living Dead where they fucked up the copyright. So it'll be all over YouTube. It'll oh, be on really? Daily Motion. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone like you could conceivably run a cinema, which is just showing Orson Welles the trial, and you wouldn't have to pay anyone money. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah. I'm gonna uh, do that. Uh, I, I, oh, I don't. I mean, I think there are wider issues, and I'm sure that like. 
companies will own certain restorations. I yeah yeah. No, Finn, stop! I see you're already on the phone to your bank. <laughs> no, you've been approved for a loan. This is oh, why I'm, you start on construction now. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm look. I've, I've already cashed out my KiwiSaver. Um, <laughs> it's definitely that easy. That into your KiwiSaver, you just send one text, and they're like, "Yes, yeah, have it." You're like, hey, I'd like to open a, uh, a financially unsound uh, movie theater. Uh, I'm uh, 24 years old. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would like that uh, $3,694, please. Uh, can I tell you that I was briefly very worried because I've worked very few regular jobs that pay into it. When you started saying that, I was like, am I about to be faced by the fact that Finn has more in his Kiwi Saver than I do, but luckily that's not true. But also, like, not enough, that it is, you know. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, a uh, Finn, as your elder, uh, put him up. G- give me all your money. But yeah, Anthony Perkins in Psycho is like when I was watching it again today. In, in his like big scene with him and Marion ha- having. Having dinner, I was like, "Yeah, this is just one of the best performances in a, in a movie. Almost no one has ever been this watchable. It is, <laughs> it is insane how 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 much fun Anthony Perkins is in this. Uh, and, and and also, I just uh, like to say as well that uh, he's a great actor. He also co-wrote a movie called The Last of Sheila with uh, Stephen Sondheim from 1973, which is uh, one one of the uh, what one of the great like uh what one of the great uh, Hollywood mystery films of the seventies? Oh wow! I, I I knew he directed a few things, including Psycho Four, of course. Yeah, um, but uh, 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 yeah, I didn't know he was a writer. Um, no, it, it's 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 for it's for one movie he wrote, and it's because him him and Sondheim used to um him and Sondheim were were good friends, and uh, they, they they used to do like a murder mystery dinner parties for for, for their friends. Mm. And uh, and after a while, I guess someone was like, "Hey, you guys are really good at this. You should turn one of these into a movie." And so Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins wrote a murder mystery starring uh, Richard Benjamin, Diane Cannon, James Coburn, James Mason, Ian McShane, Joan Hackett, and Ra- and Raquel Welch. And it is uh, it, it's both a great mystery and also a movie about how everyone in Hollywood is fucking scum. It is what, just one of the most one of the most like secretly furious uh, Hollywood movies ever made. It's it's incredible. My last thought overall on Psycho, but specifically on Perkins, is uh, there are films that I think are more beautiful than this. Mm. Uh, 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 there are shots that I think serve their story better or illuminate a moment more. But every time... Uh, 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 Marion's sister boyfriend are, are arriving at the hotel and Norman is, is under the tree and he hears them drive in and he looks towards us, his face covered in shadow. I am like, this is the best thing anyone has ever done on film. Yeah. Like the, the, the precision uh, of the move, the inky, unforgiving dark and his performance that still is still this tremendously human uh, monster because at that point 
uh, we know something is wrong. I think we know he killed his mum. Even if we don't know that he is the person doing the killings. Yeah. Who killed Marion and, and the private investigator. And, and I think that is a lot what to, to return to why it is hard to talk about these. Their humanity, even within the darkness, like the fr- when he bursts through that door, when we see him in the wig and dress in that light, he, he is so, it is, it is pathetic and desperate. Yeah. It is not monstrous. And, and, and the thing that saves this from just being like, oh, I don't care that at the end you have a psychiatrist say this isn't transphobic. It is because it's about, you know, yeah, it, it, I don't need to explain that. Yeah. If you are listening to this and don't understand why a film about a, a, a man who is a, a psycho who dresses at a whim, a, a, in a dress to kill women in a bathroom is transphobic. <laughs> um, I think you should not listen to this podcast. Um, and yeah, I think it is Perkins that saves it because it's definitely yeah. not Hitchcock and it's definitely not Block. Um, uh, speaking of the uh, boyfriend, uh, Sam Lewis, played by uh, John Gavin. Do you remember what whatever uh, Shining Sound movie uh, uh, John Gavin appeared in? I, I remember we have already mentioned him. I cannot remember in what film. Uh, he, no. he, he appeared on. Uh, he, he, he appeared uh, in, uh, in in Douglas Sirk's Imitation of Life as Steve. The greatest man in the world. Oh, that yes, of course. Yeah. Um, I always, Loomis is always weird because every I always forget that he is. I always think I can flip because in the book there are many changes from the book, and the book Norman Bates is a greasy fat man in his forties who's obviously the bad guy. It starts right. with him. Um, the twist is much more hidden. But by what Truffaut in in the Hitchcock Truffaut conversations calls a cheat, and that you get scenes of Norman talking to to his mother, including descriptions of like his mother walking around the room, which at the end, like it was all in his brain. But like, right? But like this this film so empirically is like, no, this is how you make the audience how you give the audience all the clues, but yeah. don't you let them assume. Anyway, but the major change is that uh, when Marion's sister and Sam Loomis investigate, they all, they fall in love. And so I always think that he is, I always go like, oh yeah, that's the guy from the first scene. He's on the poster and that's part of the mystery because he's only mm. in the first scene because we're supposed to be like, she's going to meet up with him and we'll see him again. But then he shows up, and I always think that that's a different guy. Right, <laughs> that yeah. It's go- that it's going to be a different guy. Well, I, I, w- I was looking up the sequel today, and it, in Psycho 2, Vera Miles is the only returning cast member apart from Anthony Perkins, and her character's name in that movie is now a Lila Crane Loomis. So so in Psycho 2, it is canon that, that her and Loomis like, got together after, after, the movie, after the movie was over. Yeah. I believe that's one of those. Um, uh, we want to make a sequel to this. Can you write a sequel to the book so we can adapt it? Things, right? Yeah. 
Um, and, and I think Block just refused to chain to wreck on his own books, so they had to align the films with the books. Not like how Michael Crichton resurrected Jeff Goldblum's character for the sequel to Jurassic Park after right, killing him yeah. in the previous book. Um, Finn, what if I told you that love for this film was not universal? Oh, you know, I'll probably understand it. You know, people are different. People have different tastes. Not, 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 not everyone can handle uh, a, a, a an objectively good movie. Uh, no, well, like of of all of all the sound films, we we have done this done the ritual of looking up a negative review on on Libertoxed dot com, the the social media platform. This is the one I think with the most very negative reviews, and I think it is right. the one with the most very justified reviews. Uh, and a lot of them seem to me, just you know, scanning through them seem to be people who find this film's uh, a choice to to make a the the image of a man as a woman inherently monstrous and yeah. quote unquote psycho unacceptable and not only do i not like i think that is right i just yeah. like it despite that and i'm aware that it is purely taste but i also do not want to attempt some kind of cis moment of of stolen valor um I, I don't need to 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 take a to take people who speak to a better. So I'm I'm going to do a funny half star review if that's okay. Okay. Um, but I, but this is not this is me specially couching and going like. Normally we're like when we do these we're like what do these guys think and it's obviously good. No, like, uh, uh yeah. So this is from Sonic Booming. Okay. Norman has a lot of free time on his hands. Couldn't he have invested in a better wig? Half a star because I like the bird symbolism in this film. <laughs> yeah, it's a good bird symbolism. Look, he likes to kill and stuff birds and her last name is Crane. Good. Yeah, they have a top four. Three of these I have seen and... Uh, Totally agree with being in someone's top four. Uh, another I have not, but I'm sure I wouldn't argue with. The one I haven't is a Akira Kurosawa film, but okay. not one of uh, the biggies. Uh, what decade? It is just going to do a click and let it load. It is from the 60s. And Finn, Ooh. okay, yeah, you'll never guess who the lead in, in the 60s Akira <laughs> Kurosawa film is. is is it Tashiro Mifune? Fuck! Are we psychic? <laughs> After that misfired beginning, are we are we in tune like the precogs in Minority <laughs> Report? Are we just seeing the same? Are we the three magi that run Sale? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Kurosawa film starring Mifune. Okay, so uh, uh, some ones from like the forties. Uh, so it's, it's it's not I live in fear. That's too early. It's not drunken angel. It's sixty. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just running through ones I know. It's not Yojimbo. It's not Sanjuro. It's not Seven Samurai. Uh, it's not Rashomon. It's all too early. It's not. It, it's not high. It's not uh, high and low. No, it, it's uh, it, it, it's not one of. 
it, it, it's a cur- I saw the poster and I was like, I've heard of that film. Mm. And I clicked on it and went, oh, yeah, it's that Kurosawa film. Do you know what right. I'm saying? So it is, it's both a film you've heard of. What else can I tell you? Uh, it's about a physician. Okay. Oh, okay, so it's not Throne of Blood. It's crazy that I've named a, I've named a nine movies made by this director and star. Yeah. And I'm, still, I'm, I'm sure there are like another five uh, that I can't think of. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, oh, it's three hours. Um, right. Oh, uh, oh. Is, is, uh, is it the idiot? No, no, no. no. Um, oh, I just, God. I can't, I'm not able to give you more clues is the yeah. problem. <laughs> I could be like, you know, it's got Yuzo Kayama, right? Kyoko Kagawa? Does it have, uh, does it have, uh, uh, does it, does it have, uh, Takashi Shimura in it? Uh, yes. Oh, great. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not, it's not a Kiru. No, no, no. No. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just going to try uh, and think of it. Commonly a- known by an English, it's one of the Kurosawa's that is commonly known by its English name. Right. Uh, the just English name like is the Gary. name of the characters. Sorry, what did you just uh, say? Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like a late period Kurosawa at the moment. And so it's not yeah, dreams because that's like eight, that's like 90s. It's Redbeard. Also- oh, Redbeard. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, do you see what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, you're like yeah. oh yeah, of course, but it's just, yeah, it's no, not. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I never would have guessed Redbeard. I was too busy thinking of uh, Dursu Usula. <laughs> okay, the next one is a another Japanese film. This one is from a decade earlier in the 50s, uh, and it is about a, a charming, bumbling visitor to Japan who makes mischief. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, go, it's Gojira. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the next one is also a Japanese film. Uh, this one is about a, a ch- uh, it's from the, the Orts, uh, and this is about a, a charming, bumbling visitor to a, a rural area who makes uh, quite a lot of mischief, but um, at the end uh, finds Ringo. peace. No, no. Uh, the Grudge? No, it is, uh, no, it is, n- okay. It- I was going to say it's not a horror film. Right. Uh, I and and it's not. But it also kind of feels there are some of the most disquieting things in film uh, in this. Oh, is, 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 the, is it uh, uh, is it audition? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not. What definition of horror <laughs> that includes Ringu and the Grudge would not also include yeah, audition? Okay. Um, is, uh, is it a Mike? <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. It, it is, it is really not horror. It's, <laughs> okay, okay. It, it's, re- you're, no, it is not, it is, it is for a wide audience. Um, I think for a period of time it was Japan's highest grossing film. Oh, is, is it uh, Spirited Away? Ding, ding, yeah. Yeah. 
But like uh, you see it like it's yeah, not yeah. a horror film. But to to say yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. And the last one, it is about, oh, okay. La- Russia now. We in, we in Russia. It's okay. the 70s. It, okay. It's, it's just Usla. <laughs> Uh, no, but well, one uh, of these days someone's gonna fucking have Dua Zuzla as one of their top four. I'm gonna get it straight away. I like Russia seventies cinema. Say a name. Uh, Solaris. No, but right director. Yeah, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not Rublev because that was earlier, right? Yeah, Rublev was sixties. Uh, this is Stalker. Was is it Stalker? It is Stalker. Yeah, right. I thought Stalker is. Uh, because I, I don't know uh, if you know about this, but at the time the Soviets were pretty controlling about what got in and out of Russia. So I think Stalker is a film that kind of blurs seventies into eighties. Right, it, yeah. it, it probably came out in the seventies, or, or like you know when when international films are yeah. toured. But Stalker, what a fucking film! Like Tarkovsky, what a fucking director! Can't wait yeah. till we get to his shit. Not that it's shit. you know what I'm saying. His business. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, can't wait, I can't wait for people to find out what movie we've paired with Andre Rublev. <laughs> uh, it's Andre, the film about a girl and her seal mate. Yeah. Um, a documentary no, about Andre the Giant. No, nah, it's a documentary about Peter Andre. A, a person I uh, only know exists from uh, watching reruns of uh, British panel shows. I... He was like at like the very. Uh, I rem- He is the first like dream boy. I remember all the girls at school at like like six or seven being like, "He's so hot! Look at his abs." <laughs> um, he yeah, he always looked too sweaty for me, and also yeah. I was absolutely not not in touch with with my deep and yearning capacity to lust for masculine flesh. But anyway, uh, that was a weird thing to say while making eye contact with the exploding man in the stalker poster, I've got to say. <laughs> um, so, Dress to Kill. I think we've covered it a lot already, but do you want to... Let's break this down. Sure. So I can I can I tell you what I kind of think the the genesis, mm. the Terminator genesis of this film uh, was is that yeah the final scene uh, uh, the second to last scene uh, of American Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock um, is a psychiatrist explaining the whole plot, yep. which is the worst scene in the film. It's incredibly boring and it is telling you stuff. You just learn through visual information. Yeah, but it's, it's like also Chris pretty, Chibnall wrote it. But anyway, it's also pretty fun because because like he's, he's he's talking to people who've just experienced like a series of major tragedies, and he's like, yes and no. He, he, <laughs> also constantly he, scolding them. Yeah, anyway, he's just, he's just being like a real like a real like uh, just a real condescending dick to to these people for no reason, and uh, it's it's great. I, I like I like that performance a lot, even though. The material is bad, um, and I think uh, uh, old BDP. Well, and I, I, I do like the fact that I, I do like the fact that, that, like, as as sort of half-hearted as it is, the the the, the film like he, like at least had the idea to be like, no, this character is not trapped. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and which is was easier to do then because uh, even as we see in Dress to Kill, uh, th- what the right call the transgender issue was only politicized very recently. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, very, very recently, it, it has only recent, it is only in like the late nineties, early aughts where it was treated as anything other than a, um, medical condition. And, and uh, to be clear, they, like all queer people faced prejudice, mm. but, um, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't exist. Because, like, in Dress to Kill, the the interview you see on television with a trans woman uh, is a real interview. And, yeah. and, like, the guy interviewing her is, I believe, I can't remember his name, but he is, like, he was the Rush Limbaugh of his time. And, like, right. he would say shitty stuff. But, like, that interview is calm and respectful. And you hear him say... Like, oh, you had a perfectly normal life as a father. Oh, I shouldn't say normal. That's prejudicial. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's because it just simply hadn't been politicized then. And also it is worth flagging. This is me doing my good ally work is that that trans woman uh, was real set on a very singular idea of transition, which was basically become a white upper class a straight woman uh, right, yeah. and that everything else was deviant uh, and she was in fact quite homophobic i understand but anyway um and so it is and so which is there was like a pretty funny part in, in, in that interview where the interviewer says to her so you 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 you've been a man you've been married to to two of them you you've fathered three you've fathered three children you know you 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 you've been very invested in and in in, in in heterosexuality, and she says, "Well, I'm still very invested in, in heterosexuality." I believe she says, "I've always been yeah, a committed yeah. heterosexual." <laughs> yeah, which yeah, it's is good, it's a good joke. Oh yeah, no, it, uh, uh, it's it's good, and I think uh, that is me laying groundwork, which is to say that at the time of dressed to kill, none of what I'm about to say is to forgive a film we have both already called transphobic. Uh, uh, I'm trying to explain how we got, how I think they got there. Um, but Wait, sorry, that- I'm, I'm, I'm about to choke on some water, so I'm just going to cough for a few seconds. <coughs> oh, I okay, thought you yeah. were. I thought you were setting up to do a like turf joke. No, no, I'd actually spoiled some water slightly incorrectly, so I was just waiting until you finished the sentence so I could cough. Oh, you you feel better? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay, sweet as. Um, um, anyway, uh, is that in 1980, when Brian De Palma is making this film, it is, it is, uh, uh, people being transgender is not, as a general rule, seen as anything other than a medical condition. And like all medical conditions, uh, it is, uh, uh, and especially ones within the queer spectrum, uh, um, the, within the rainbow community is is prejudiced against, but it's not like making a trans person a killer in a film now would be a political statement, yeah, or or like writing a very long novel about a man who dresses as women to assault women in bathrooms 
while distinctly saying they are not trans would just hypothetically be a, a political move. Yeah, it, it's it, it's yeah. weird that you'd it's weird that you'd pick that completely hypothetical example because I was also about to use that uh, almost word for word exact same hypothetical example. Uh, you know how we get when we're being satirical and it's and it's just building up. It's, <laughs> yep. We're making so many funnies. We're just J.K. Rowling. Anyway, um, uh, I'll Joanne to my next topic. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that combined, I think, De Palma saw that last scene. I seen Hitchcock wanted to cut or, you know, made the math that he wanted to cut. And I think you'd look at that scene and you understand why it needs, why, why it should be cut, even though it leads you to that final incredible long zoom onto Norman uh, as the mother's voice plays and he looks into the camera and it is, it's good. It's good filmmaking. I think Alfred Hitchcock has a future in front of him uh, in hell because he uh, tortured women. Um, But anyway, uh, and I think De Palma was like, what if you kind of made that explanation the whole film? And if you are, and because more people know about transgender, what were then called transsexual people, transsexual is now a slur, but anyway, uh, um, uh, uh, and so what if you laid that in, you make the psychiatrist the lead, but you keep the same twist because a transgender character could be like the psychiatrist who treat who is treating a transgender person who is a killer and is also them is a pulpy twist that it would be kind of the say it would be on the level of fight club and yeah. i also understand that there are people with with dissociative identity disorder who look at fight club and go uh, this is uh, uh, a work of hate against me, and I absolutely, you know, I'm, I, that's not to diminish it. But I, I think that's how we get got this situation. That's how De Palma, who is, I think, someone who does really love to look at naked women, yeah, uh, and na- women being cut up. Yeah, I mean, in 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 all the ways that De Palma is a Hitchcockian filmmaker. The way that he is most Hitchcockian is that he is similarly uh, he he is similarly a, a gigantic pervo. Oh yeah, and and but he is also like I do believe his later work bears out him being like like Jonathan Demi making Philadelphia after Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, uh, bears out someone being like, oh, actually, I should have thought about this. Yeah, um, and, and I do not. I don't think he would make it now. Maybe he's hard right. Well, I mean, he, he's like his his next movie is supposed to be a movie about like uh, a, a movie about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, but it could be like it could be like uh, uh, pro. Yeah, no, it's like taking it to the Miramax. One a story of one guy who just loved films and plants, um, you know, like yeah. all he like you got. Is, do you really think women's safety and, and security is worth losing Goodwill Hunting? I could see a film arguing that. I do think that film would 
involve Matt Damon. Ben is too aware of his public persona. Like, remember when Matt Damon said, said he didn't? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I remember. The, 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 there was he, like a couple of days of irritating discourse about it. Yeah, I remember that about not saying the 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 f slur yeah. uh, and that uh, uh, because his daughter had to recently tell him in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one not to see that the next day. Ben Affleck then being daily papped by what I presume is a tent city of people who are due to be murdered by Bo Laramie. <laughs> um, and the next day pointedly wore a love is love t-shirt to yeah. be like, oh, fuck off. Come on, bud. Isn't it insane that they have now flipped and that you're like, no, Ben Affleck, the guy, the guy who's he, just he's gone to give her. Well, and like it is the, the that thing of like all of these incredibly staged shots uh, uh, of him like just spending heaps of time genuinely in awe at Jennifer Lo- Lopez's body <laughs> <laughs> in a way that seems sweet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like he he is looking at like I really like you. <laughs> it is is no longer gross and lecherous because his his mate is is Maddie Damon, who was just being like, yeah, my my wife's a teacher, but we should. So my mother's a teacher, but hooray for the CIA. Anyway, how the turns have tabled. Um. Uh, yeah. No. And and that path last, last duel in theaters now. Hopefully, still. No, 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 no. All theatres are closed in sympathy with Tamaki Makoto Aotearoa fan. I want to watch him. I just want to watch a movie again in a theatre. I want to see Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's faces real big and then have Adam Driver with a silly moustache near them. Okay. It's going to be so good. Uh, How about you get a phone and watch... On one phone, watch um, Patterson, but you get a sheet of clear film and draw a moustache on it and just move it around the screen so he has a moustache. And then in the other hand, watch Goodwill Hunting or their scene in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And if you yeah. do it under the sheets late at night and they're pretty close to your face, it will be that's that's the cinema experience right there. And if you turn your headphones up real loud, that's exactly the same as Dolby Atmos. Yeah, and if I if I have if I have my third phone playing a solo a Star Wars story, it'll occasionally sound like oh, I know it's not Jodie Comer in that. That's that's Fleabag. No, okay. Well, she was just in the show that Fleabag made. Oh, yeah, you can finally check out uh, Free Guy, which is the film I think you'd oh, really like. Oh, oh God. I've nah, that. It, hey. I, I was so happy forgetting that uh, Jordan Peterson's favorite movie of the year, Free Guy, uh, I just forgot that it existed. I I don't know wh- why you look at that film uh, where Deadpool Lego movies in <laughs> Fortnite Grand Theft Auto I don't know what you see looking at that that makes you bounce off it. Is it the fact 
that the world finally gets to see Taika Waititi in his everyone thinks I'm charming so I'm just going to lazily do my shtick in a public venue where other people who do a lot of work uh, and work really hard are being dismissed because I attract audiences. Is that what you're against? Or or is it the fact that just I'm Ryan Reynolds is like, what is he like? He's, he's professionally irritating. That's his whole thing now. But he's not even. It's smug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just so fucking smug. For like first five or six years of his movie career where he just sucked. And then he was like, and, and then he had like a couple of years where it seemed like he was trying. Then he was like charming for like four movies tops. And then just went fully into Deadpool two mode. Now I own my own brand of like vodka or whatever. And I'm just, and I'm just, you fin- when I think like it's it's Jen, um, uh, uh, yeah. and, and he also owns uh, co-owns a phone company. Uh, anyway, but like uh, the key thing I remember when I think about that arc is that I go, oh yeah, there were a couple of films I enjoyed him in. Yeah. I then go, but he had consistently failed for about half a decade up to that point to be charming or in successful films yeah. in a way that a woman would have just never worked again. Uh, absolutely. Uh, at- and, and he just, uh, so, but yeah, I, so what I am saying is that I think the most interesting thing about dress to kill, apart from the fact that like, uh, Nancy Allen is very unfairly left off lists of scream, iconic scream Queens. Mm. And like, there are some lists she's on, but it should be like, you know, Sigourney Weaver and her, you know, are the two gold, people who've fought scary things. I mean, um, J- 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 Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think her mum was a battled in, in, was, I can't think of what one though, but anyway. Um, it, it, was, it was the fog. She, she, she was, she was the old oh, lady yes, in the fog yeah. with, with Jamie Lee Curtis. But yeah, I just, I do think that is, I think the interesting thing about Dress to Kill, which is a film with, some good sequences, some good scares, but ultimately ends up making a really damaging point. Yeah, to me, the interesting thing is how did that happen? And I think that's how it happened. So, like, I've talked a lot. Finn. Yes. You you were shaking your head pretty consistently throughout that, and, and I know that you have quite a lot of pretty strong, you call them controversial thoughts about the trans community. Do you care to share yeah. them? Yeah, sorry, I just got to um, look up. I uh, just got to do some googling. Uh, Benjamin Krillin, the man transcript. <laughs> <sighs> so, Finn. Yes. What is it about dress to kill that made you call it? the greatest discourse on on the transgender issue you have ever seen. Well, here, here, here's the thing, Yufa. Uh, I'm very angry. <laughs> <laughs> I and, can tell from your beet red face. <laughs> and I'll let you know, 
it's not my fucking fault. So whose fault is it? <laughs> now, l- let me make a list of the sorts of people. <laughs> no, like Man. what? Uh, had you seen this film before? No, I, I'd, I'd seen uh, like uh, I'd seen maybe the last two minutes of it. Uh, I'd seen the 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 scene where Nancy Ellen is in the shower, and then um, and then um, I mean Michael Caine as Bobby uh, uh, come, comes into the house, and there's that she, she goes over to the mirror to try and get a razor out, and then there's the mirror closing and all the great stuff with like with how Department yeah. uses mirrors and. And so, yeah. I mean, uh, she gets her throat slit and then uh, wakes up screaming. And that, that, that's all it's in the movie. I, I knew that Michael Caine played a transgender murderer in it. Mm. That's, that's, that's really all I knew. So how, because I saw this, I did a run of Carpenter in late high school. Right. Uh, and, and while somewhat politically activated uh 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 if <laughs> which, which of course again is another another euphemism for people who've been mentoring <laughs> candidate um i uh, i saw it uh, and what uh, less primed for 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 understanding how damaging it was as a representation uh, uh, of trans people and, and pretty oh, like. Wait, okay, so um, uh, uh, j- j- just before you 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 said you did a run of Carpenter. Did, 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 did you mean to say De Palma? I mean De Palma. Right, it's because right, yeah. I'm looking at the letterboxed page for the fog. Right. Um, which is a ridiculous thing to look like because my copy of it is also within reach anyway no uh i did a run of de palma late in high school at a time when i was aware uh of a uh, uh of transgenderism uh, as as a thing in the world and, and uh, uh you know statistically had had met m- many people on that spectrum but uh you know it was the orts so they were just being Beginning to 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 have their very existence politicized rather than made abject, yeah. rather than just made abject by bigots. Um, and, and so when I first saw it, I was ready to be much more sympathetic. As in, I was in the context I was in were, would have been made me able to be much more sympathetic to to its using of transgenderism uh, uh, of a character being transgender as a twist. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, 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 I have a sample in which I can say I've seen this where I am not just going like, uh, just you know, don't make a film about how being trans makes someone a killer. <laughs> like, just, uh, just simply do not, mate, please. Yeah. Um, and even then, it is, it is a couple of set pieces. I, I, do dig the murder in the elevator, which I've mentioned several times, uh, which is largely through a distorted like corner mirror. Yeah. But the rest of it is, uh, eh, like yeah. it's like in it, a it's, way, it's pretty, pretty, like it's pretty slow for the most part. It's, well, and when uh, his other films are slow, they ooze with like pace and tension. The mm. skills he really starts to build, 
the lessons he starts to really internalize from Hitchcock that he doesn't have here uh, is like the bomb under the table thing. Yeah. And like, uh, in, in, in like Carrie, there is no killing. There's not even any like magic until yeah. basically the last 30 minutes. But, but, but like Carrie is still like gripping the, the, the well, entire way through. And, and but that's the film he made before this, no yeah, less. Yeah, that was, like, um, that was like six years before. It was like, it was like four or five years before this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, it is. So I, I, the point I'm trying to make is that when I called it shy earlier, when I didn't think I would be the person discussing it right now, it is not, it is, it is shite because it is transparently and damaging transphobe and transparently and damagingly transphobic. Mm. Um, but it is also shite because it's not even a good De Palma film. That yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, like it, it, it has it has a lot of like fantastic style and all, all like a, a lot of the shots look incredible and, he, and yeah. he uses all those department techniques which are always fun to watch. Like the, the like first time he throws in a split diopter is, is when Angie Dickinson has just like left the art museum and she, yeah. she's missing one of her gloves, so she she like takes off her other glove and throws it on the ground and she sees this mysterious man. Like that's uh, in a cab, like hanging her glove out the window, and so she she runs down to the cab to 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 see him, and there is there is there is a like split diopter from I think from like inside the cab where you see like like her and the man of the cab in focus, and then like up up on up on the stairs, someone like reaches down and grabs the reaches down and grabs the the, the 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 like other glove, and like that's yeah. great, and and every time he uses split screens. Like to to like convey multiple pieces of information at the same time. You're like, great, this is super efficient, and it's also like it's also great to look at and like cool. Yeah, like it, it's it's like sweet as and dope. Yeah, and even with a bad De Palma film, you are getting something that you very rarely see in in films these days, which is someone with just a with a totally singular style and and like full mastery of how to like pull off every single gimmick and, yeah. and just like and doing it expertly and, and and the nice thing is that we also have good brian de palma films yeah like I, I bought a copy of body double which i've never seen before but that's gonna arrive soon i'm looking forward to that one and like Carrie is obviously great. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Blowout soon because you've been talking about Blowout a lot recently. Oh, I just I I think there is a lot. I've been talking about Blowout a lot with you. I mean, partially because uh, the Academy showed it, and it's great to see a film on the big screen. But also because like that film is cut. Like that film has like split diopter shots of John Travolta recording the assassination of a presidential candidate. Uh, and then like long single takes roving through a dormitory of nude women and like an extended sequence of someone cutting up a magazine, putting it under an animation camera to make a essentially short film. Uh, it ends with uh, a soap operatic violence in front of a giant American flag. Like it is, it's <laughs> such a finiculous film. Right, like yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, it is. And it, it, and it also has the, 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 there is, um, 
the sequence in the train station where, you know, uh, uh, is, I think, the best thing De Palma has ever made. And it stands as one of the best sequences of tension in anything. Um, far above anything in Dress to Kill. Right, yeah. Uh, transphobia apart, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But where, where do you stand on it? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah, of, of the department I've, I've seen, which is not a whole lot, I think, I think it's my least favourite. It, it's, like, tied with, uh, with oh, I, I think it's uh, slightly worse than, uh, than uh, Passion, is a 2012 movie with uh, uh, with uh, Numi with Numi Rapaz and Rachel McAdams, which is like yeah, I've not which seen is like that. yeah, it, it's like fine. It, it's 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 fun sleazy nonsense. Um, but out of shine and sound, what uh, out of shine and sound, I think you 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 you've you've got to you've got to call it shine. I, I was expecting to have like, go, 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 going into the film. I was pretty sure I was going to call it shite just because I, I knew, you know, about its depiction of, of like trans people. But yeah, the, the, the like rest of the, the rest of the movie didn't even like do enough to lift it above that for me. Well, I, I, which, which um, I was kind of expecting it to. And I, uh, I have two final points I want to make. One is to wrap up, uh, my initial point, which is that I think this film came from looking at the worst scene in Psycho and being like, how do I make this good? Uh, and it is worth noting that he then ends the film with exactly the same scene and it is exactly as boring. But, but, um, but, but like, it, but it, it is, it is just as boring, but it is like even more explicitly transphobic. And, and in, 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 in Psycho, they, 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 they do a thing of saying, well, he's not. He's not trans. He's just crazy. Like his, his, his like he, he couldn't accept his mother's death and whatever. Yeah. But, 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 but like, but, but like, but, 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 I mean, what, what, what this movie does is say that this character is explicitly trans. That, that, that's, that's why. That, that's why all these people are dead because, uh, being, uh, uh, because being trans makes you a murderer, and then they just repeatedly refer to the, the, this character by male pronouns with their, with their dead name. And, and also like the, the, that scene almost exists solely like they're going like this person was trans and that made them kill people. Like yeah. the, th- this film without that scene would be easier not that much easier to make a redemptive reading of because you could be like, no, that's a film about a trans person who kills. Yeah. I think in a modern world. Yeah. uh, uh, You know, I I don't, you know, what defines a modern world? Social media, you know? Sure. And I, I don't think looking at this film through a modern lens, you could really give it above three stars you know you'd have to be trying really hard mm-hmm. to to um find a positive review of this on a social media platform oh, found, found one. so oh wow uh, okay uh, you, once again i miss i'm i i underestimate 
your ability to find incorrect people on the internet. Yeah. Uh, th- 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 uh, this is a five-star review of Dress to Kill by Letterbox user Comrade Yui. Uh, uh, th- 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 this is a review with uh, no capital letters. Uh, yeah. Might be the biggest gap I've ever had between deeply admiring the talented form of the film while also being, absol- while also being absolutely repulsed by its content. Is this blatantly transphobic? Yes. Wait, so um, even a five-star review says this? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is this blatantly transphobic? Yes. But I remain unconvinced that this is a particular thematic aim of the filmmakers. It almost seems like a naive byproduct of a director who trades entirely in lurid adolescent fantasies of violence and sex. The imagery of the feminine body here is less concerned with personal gender presentation and is more about the social paranoia surrounding sexual encounters. How the how the pictorial display of gender allows us to assume the presence of certain sexual norms and power relations that are often uncomfortably false. De Palma's Rosetta Stone in many ways. Yeah, that just doesn't, that's a good review. It just doesn't seem like a five-star one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember the other point I was going to make, just to, because uh, uh, I, I spent a lot of this film being like, am I biased? Do I only, am I only not enjoying this as much as I enjoy other, de, other, uh, un, unfilmed de Palma? Mm. Um, and, and I thought, but then I thought, and then I watched a bit of Mission Impossible Fallout, the beginning, and I was like, oh, no, 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 I love this film, which is about how the secret police are the only people who can save the world. <laughs> through murder and manipulation yeah <laughs> you know which, which is like sort so, so, sort of another difference between psycho and uh, between psycho and dress to kill whereas like in in psycho the police are essentially useless and and and, and, <laughs> yeah. and in dress to kill they are the heroes uh and they become the heroes through uh manipulating women yeah and, uh, and like oh. it is like the most for me the uh, again mentioning blowout again but like the the thing that because for me outside of the transphobia one of the more most horrific things in dress to kill is that the final the twist at the end is like dennis franz being like hey nancy allen you know all that horror you just went through that's because i was using you as bait yeah uh and a lot of blowout is about uh torturing a man for uh, using Nancy Ellen as bait. Right. Uh, it, it, it really feels like someone redressing that. Uh, so but uh, that was a good review. What's the, what's the taste like? Well, it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good as far as I, as far as I can see. Uh, the, uh, uh, so on, on this episode of Shine Sound, uh, what, on this episode of Shine and Sound, one of the films one of the films we discussed was Psycho, which was directed yeah. by a uh, which was directed by a British uh, person. Uh, th- th- this film uh, is uh, sort sort of uh, you know it, well it's it's like Psycho, but it's uh, directed by an American. It's it's almost an uh, is it Gus Van Sant? Oh no, it's, no. A, it's American it's, Psycho. Yeah. It's almost uh, an yeah. American Psycho. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Gus Van Sant is also Canadian, I think. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, what is your American Psycho take? Uh, I've seen the first twenty minutes; seemed pretty good. N- yeah, n- I, n- never finished it. 
I, I, I think it is. Uh, I like it as a good answer to what film is better than the book. Because yeah, I, I, I would, I would like to. Uh, I, I, I'll probably watch it one day because uh, I, I want to. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll try and do all of Mary Heron's films at some point. Maybe yeah. because she she did I shot Andy Warhol, which I'm really interested in seeing. Ah, uh, yeah, a second, a second. Uh, um, oh, what's her name? Valerie Solanas Valerie mentioned Solanus. into episode. Yeah, shout out to Valerie. Never did anything <laughs> wrong. Uh, the uh, not, uh, a, the, not a sin to her name. Uh, the second film. Uh, 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 d- uh, not not sure if you know this one. Uh, uh, is a uh, is a, a Taiwanese film from the early two thousands. Uh, I, I have not seen it, and you do not have it logged. Uh, what is the director's name? Uh, the director is Hu Xiao Xian. Can never figure out how to pronounce that yeah. name properly. I, the director of the Assassin. Yeah. Um, who are oh, every one of their films I've seen, I've loved, mm. and that's the Assassin and one other, which is, might even be this one, but I cannot give you a name. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, this is a film called Millennium Mambo. Oh, I, I've not seen it, but right. y- y- no, there is. Um, um, I'm, I'm guessing the other one you've seen is uh, Flowers of Shanghai. One second. No, Flight of the Red Balloon. Okay. Flight of the Red Balloon is the one I've seen, and I know many. Uh, I remember when Millennium Mambo. Oh, I saw, yeah, Millennium Mumbo was in the film festival when I was in the film study for my first year, and I remember lots of people liking it. Anyway, right. but yeah, no, uh, uh, a good work, who? Mm. Uh, the next film is, uh, uh, is, is a film that uh, people in the real world don't like, but people on Letterboxd uh, uh, love. Uh, 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 it was a, a massive bomb when it was released. Uh by a director who's made uh, several massive bombs, uh, and th- 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 this has had uh, probably the, the like biggest uh, crit- critical reappraisal of, of any of his bombs. Uh, is it Miami Vice? It is Miami Vice. Yes, <laughs> Michael Hunter, man Hunter, I love him. Mwah. Mm-hmm. I'm a fiend for Michael Hunter, man Hunteritos. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the. Uh, the uh, third film on the list is uh, okay. Uh, it is. Uh, well, yeah, gotta make sure I'm right about this first. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, the uh, fourth film on the list is narrated uh, by the actor Marco, who played uh, Aku in Samurai Jack. Uh, 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 are uh, they? Uh, is oh. is is are they the only voice in the film? No. Oh, okay. uh, 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 other people in this film include uh, Max von Sydow <laughs> as uh, as uh, King Osric, and uh, uh, well, it, 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 oh, and uh, 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 and uh, a, a guy who uh, this might give it away if you if you've heard of this actor before, mm. but if not, it won't help at all. A guy called Franco Colombo. No, that does not. That does not tell me anything. Right. Uh, um, this is written and directed by a major screenwriter of the American New Cinema of the early seventies. Is it Schrader? Uh, no, okay. uh, it's 
Well, well, what is if uh, uh, he 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 is a guy who is uh, similarly uh, kind of a nut, although he's more of like a, a, a right wing uh, gun nut sort of guy. Chayefsky? No, he he uh, uh, he uh, wrote and directed a movie which uh, we've covered a remake of. Who made the original Justice League film? Um, sorry, who made the original Justice League the Snyder Cut? Um, <laughs> you know, ah, uh, 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 yeah, I, ca- I just cannot remember who made the fifties Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> Um, so uh, the the uh, the the, uh, the title of this movie, the, the like title structure of this movie, is a uh, name the uh, uh, like a job title essentially. Henry portrait of a serial killer. No, it's 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 three words. It's name the yeah. Ichi the killer. <laughs> no, um, uh, uh, Andre the giant. Uh, free okay. the willy. <laughs> Okay, the the, the, the the writer and director is John Milius, who did the original Red Dawn. Ah, yes, yes, of course. Um, and his film, oh, Harry the Hendersons. Uh, to 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 uh, to, to give you a hint, uh, Fra- Franco Colombo. Uh, other films he has starred in, or well, other films he has been in, include uh, Pumping Iron, <laughs> Stay Hungry. The Running Man, Predator, The Terminator. Okay, so uh, is it um, so is it an Arnold Schwarzenegger joint? It is. Okay, and uh, is it does it involve an alien? Uh, no. Is it End of Days or no, no. Or Eraser? Uh, in, I- in, 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 end of Days is a uh, uh, is uh, Peter Hyams. Uh, the yes. father of John Hyams. I, I, uh, is, 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 is it a comedy? Uh, no, although the sequel is sort of a comedy. Ah, uh, is it free, free free word title starring Arnold? Yeah, now it's uh, oh Conan the Barbarian, of course. Yes, sorry, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, I just I forget that's him because I always think of. The, the the much more superior uh, the, person the, in the, that the, role. The Jason, the Jason Momoa version. Oh, no, the, the film that started as a Conan the Barbarian film but then was changed for legal reasons, Kevin Sorbo starring Cal the Conqueror. I've always loved. Oh, oh that, that's, um, we, we, we have a bit of uh, un, unfinished uh, psycho business. I've just got a right. quick game to play. Uh, so there have been three major performances. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, after you've finished this, I'm going to go back yeah. to uh, I think a paparazzi I've been meaning to bring up for several episodes. Oh, okay, great. So, And then we'll just keep going back until we do a whole proper episode on... Um, uh, 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 yee yee. No. Uh, Ali Fear Eats the Soul. Yeah. Um, no, there have been three major Marians across psycho right. uh, interpretations. Uh, and, and so let us, one second, sorry, I just want to confirm I'm right on who the third is. Right. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah, got it. So, yeah, there have been three major actors in, in the role of Marion Crane. Okay. Uh, of course. Uh, and, and I want you to rank them for me. 
Right. Just off the top of your head. Okay, uh, number one, uh, Janet Lee in yeah. Psycho. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, Blank. Uh, number three, uh, Gaspar Uliel in uh, Hannibal Rising. Okay, so you 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 don't. Uh, really... I, I'm, I'm guessing there's someone on Bates Motel who played who who played Marion. Well, well, like first we got to talk about how you're blanking Anne Hache from Gus Van Sant's oh, oh, Psycho. Right, yeah. Uh, yes. So you don't know who uh, who played Marion on uh, on Bates Motel. I don't. I, I know okay. that uh, Freddie Highmore played uh, played Norman Bates, and I know uh, that Vera Farmiga played uh, played uh, no- played Norma Bates. Uh, uh, I have not seen all that show, but one of my no, flatmates watched it a lot, and and it seems like good and yeah. interesting. And Highmore and Farmiga are, are great, and the show makes a very very strong choice in who it casts as Marion Crane. Is, is, is it someone who is uh, not white? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember that being a thing. Um, it's Rihanna. Oh, oh, right. Isn't that yes. a great yes, choice? No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I totally remember when that was when people were talking about that. Yeah, and, yeah, and like she, and, and like she, she comes in and they kill her. You know. Mm, um. Yeah. But but it is like what? A, like that is ha- like Anne Hayes just looks a bit like Janet Lee, where yeah. you're like. No, you need someone who is like they fucking killed Rihanna. Also, <laughs> uh, um, can we please directors? Uh, I presume by now we have become a locus for film professionals all over the world. Every week they await with masturbated breath to to hear what we have to say. Uh, the fact that Rihanna's biggest film remains Battleship yeah. is an insult to all of us. <laughs> Look. You just gotta, like, come on. Yeah. Is she the most charismatic person in the world? Look at how she gets away with just simply existing in the world with a massive team of, of makeup uh, uh, and stylists, and, but just, just like smoking weed and then making songs about that are like two notes and being like, I'm smoking weed and then footage of her. And it's incredible. Like yeah, imagine I mean, what that um, could do to your film. Yeah. I mean, occasionally she'll make a video where she's uh, like a leading Mads McClesson around on a dog leash. I, that, okay, Rihanna, like, yeah, it seems it seems like Matt's having a having a great time there. Uh, Rihanna gave us the greatest EPK interview of all time, which is when Mads Mikkelsen and Ben Mendelsohn are yeah, being yeah. interviewed about being in Rogue One, and we get to see Mads Mikkelsen do his usual anecdote about being the bitch yeah. and bitch better have my money. The music video, and we also get to see. Ben Mendelssohn, <laughs> who who is uh, the the equally th- you know the the other man's man, <laughs> Mickelson, learn it and be delighted at the same time. Yeah. It's the single greatest thing that has ever happened. That's only involved two white men talking since this podcast. Um, Okay, hey, so what I want to say about paparazzi. Paparazzi, yeah. yeah. The, the uh, Lady Gaga song. Yeah. I meant to bring this up when, when we were recording the episode, because it was my favorite thing about the movie, is we, we, when I was watching paparazzi, and there's, there's that scene where he sneaks out of his house to go and, like, his, his, like, big night of revenge. 
and he, he, he like goes to a car in the woods, but it's got like, it's got like a tarpaulin over it. And I was like, oh, he's going to have a revenge Camaro. And then he put, I mean, he pulls the tarpaulin off and it is a, it is literally a Camaro SS, which he then gets in to go to his revenge. I was yeah. like, how, how did I fucking know he was going to have a revenge Camaro? <laughs> oh, is um, is the best part of the movie. It's a, yeah, it's my favorite car when I was a teenager was the Camaro SS. Were you a car child? No, I just I just like to look at the Camaro SS. Uh, because that was like that was like the one car that I was like, man, that car is cool. Because isn't that which Transformer is a Camaro yeah, yeah, SS? That, 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 that's Bumblebee. Yeah, is that why? No, I, I think I, I think I thought that car was cool before I saw the Transformers movies. Okay, so Finn. Yes. Uh, uh, I yes. Uh, you also do understand why there is nothing I know about you that doesn't direct me to you lying right there. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know, I'm not. I'm not saying you're lying. I just, uh, by all the information I have on you, I think you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, and I'm sorry. Also, do 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 you know do you know about the uh, Steven Soderbergh recut of the Psycho and Psycho? Uh, I know it's one of those things he's done, like Indiana Jones uh, yeah. in black and white with silent music. Yeah, but, uh, uh, I, I, yeah I don't I, I don't know anything more about it than that. Yeah, so I, I was I was looking through some I was looking up stuff about Psycho l- yeah. last night, and I, I found that there was a movie that Steven Soderbergh made where he where he intercut scenes from both the original and the remake of Psycho, and I was like, man, I've got to fucking find this. I went to his his website, his, like, blog, and it went to, like, a 404 link, then I, then I found another one that didn't, but then uh, I, 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 like, found the, like, Vimeo player, and I pressed play, and just nothing happened. <laughs> and, and so I, I, think, I think that got, like, DMCA'd off, off the internet, which is uh, very annoying, because I want to see that. And like, I, uh, like, no, sure, it probably won't be, it, it won't be amazing, but, but like, uh, like, uh, I think like o- overall the, the DMCA is a, is a bad, is a bad thing, but I think maybe it like especially shouldn't apply to Steven Soderbergh. If he wants to have a blog where he like recuts like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which like he, he's, he's done. And like that, that should be able to exist. And uh, his recut of 2001 Space Odyssey does not exist anymore because it got fucking taken off the internet by assholes. Yep. And I, 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 uh. I do. We should address the fact that we did not do the obvious pairing, just yeah. that we didn't do Gus Van Sant Psycho. I've seen it. Finn has not. And it is and like, because it, 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 if I had been able to find the the Steven Soderbergh cutting oh, of the two yeah. films, I would have said we're going to do all three of them. Uh, yeah 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 but it is like the thing to know about that film is that it is like the bits of it are the that are the same which is like 95 to 99 percent of it yeah uh recreations so close that all you can think about is how much better hitchcock says (laughs) because seeing frames and lighting that was designed for black and white with color doesn't go. Mm. And that, uh, like I can understand the pitch of casting Vince Vaughn and it was 1998. So it was only quite obvious 
rather than absolutely the only thing you know about him that Vince Vaughn was like a weird, gross dick. But like, that's kind of the thing. And like, all you can talk about is like, oh yeah. Well, he adds that, um, when, when, uh, uh, Norman spies on Marion, he masturbates. Uh, and Willie H. Macy is there and he is the only one who's giving a performance even close to anyone in the original. And that's it. There's just nothing to say about it. Does, does Macy play Arbogast? Yes, I believe so. Right. Yes, yeah, because yeah, he gets yeah. killed on the stairs. Yeah, oh yeah, that, that's that's good casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, but it's ju- there's ju- there's ju- as much as we've struggled to find things to talk about, that will not say it won't sound like that. But this is this will just because we'll have cut we'll have cut so much. <laughs> but it is like like. Uh, Dress to Kill is, is, is transphobic as fuck, but is a better remake of Psycho than Psycho 1998. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, if you want to watch a movie about a serial killer who, uh, about a male serial killer who dresses in women's clothing, Silence of the Lambs is the one. It, it is. Uh, and, and Psycho. I mean, and, 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 and Psycho, yeah. Like, you don't get Silence of the Lambs without Psycho. Oh, Psycho no, is... Absolutely. Yeah. Is of the many things that have been said a million times, like, Psycho is an urtext for both slasher and horror films in general. Like, yeah. there... Like, it... Like... Yeah. And, yeah, like... like if, if, if every movie with, like... It, 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 every movie with violence that isn't gun violence from 1961 onwards yeah. is, is influenced by Psycho. Well, and, and like the key or, or like the honeymoon killers, right? Like those are the two options. And it is like kind of Silence of the Lambs innovation is like, okay, so we've got a Norman. We have Anthony Hopkins doing a Anthony Perkins. Um, and now we should have his opposition be uh, an actor of equal power in a character of equal weight. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah. Hey, Finn. Yes. Finn. Yes. Hey, Finn. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. You can check out our website. It's at shiteandsound.com. If you like what I do, and, and I and I hope that you you do, check out um, my newsletter. It's at bit.ly slash youthalives. I'm, I'm, I'm at youthalives on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Facebook uh, for reasons I've tweeted, so check it out. I, I, I do it in quite an amusing context. Um Oh, I have two other podcasts. One is called The Witching Hours, and it's an eerie audio anthology. And the other is called The Slow Path. It's where me and my life partner, Briar, watch uh, television series Doctor Who until we die. And uh, how, um, uh, how, how close are you at the moment to, uh, uh, to uh, dying? Uh, how, how much time have you got left? Like, okay, I'm, I'm 34, mm. and I'm 
banking on like 75. Right. And we will be able to cover the, the show in that time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. No, I've got a spreadsheet. I've timed it out. You know, I just think good luck. Uh, of me making it to 75. No, 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 just in a general sort of, I wish you good luck on this endeavor. I just, I don't, I don't know how to read this conversation, Finn. I don't know where we, anyway, check it out. <laughs> I don't, I just, I do think Finn was threatening me just then. <laughs> And as as someone well, who's never threatened time. him on this <laughs> podcast, I I I I'm shocked and appalled. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave a note next to you to your dead body that says, "This is in revenge for all that improv." <laughs> so, the, the improv killers, like a tense scene where someone just keeps hearing, like, I just need one word. I just need one word around the house. It's like, no, stop. And then, like, the door opens and it's a guy, you know, uh, yeah. in, in, in chucks jeans and like a quirky t- black t-shirt with like a logo from Futram and Rick and Mur- Morty on it and horn rimmed glasses and a tint and haircut going that's right now you're gonna be- have about an hour of terror inspired by the word stop and then he covers the frame and yeah. then it says the improv killers spontaneously coming to a skinema near you yeah, hello it says, the improv killers, colon, don't think twice about spitting on your grave. <laughs> uh, uh, this Halloween need just a few things from you in the crowd. 2021. Uh, hey, uh, if you like the show, if you like the oral pleasure we give you, then next week is our 69th episode. And there'll be nice. a lot of... <laughs> Out of oral pleasuring in there. Finn, what are we watching? <laughs> he looks, just for a moment, um, just disgust and upset <laughs> flashed across his face like a reaction well, meme. Like For next week's episode, yeah. we are watching uh, two movies about uh, uh, two movies about killer robots. That's yeah. right, it is. Fritz Lang's Metropolis and Jim Wynarski's Chopping Mall. And I want to be clear um, that the 69ing positioning, dang, ooh, matron is intentional because uh, I only perform that act with mandroids. And uh, I understand that Finn has plans for the same. What's your stance on sex, mandroids, Finn? Uh, um, if oh, you like uh, the show, uh, why not leave oh, no, us? No, 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 no. I'm just looking up. I'm looking up a cast of Chopping Ball, and uh, oh, g- g- it's g- Linda g- Catalini g- in it. No, but uh, g- 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 guess who's in Chopping Ball? Angus Scrum from the Phantasm movies. <laughs> the guy plays the tall man. Yeah, the guy who famously says something about playing a good game, boy. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe I'll watch all the Phantasm movies before I watch Chopping Mall. I am sure you could get a sex mandroid made in the image of Angus. (laughs) 
Uh, just so you know, Finn has left his chair, took out his headphones. It did look like my, my, it did really seem, Finn, like my mention of Mandroid had made you instantly quit the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I considered it, but no, I was just getting my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my uh, Arrow video, uh, box set of Phantasm Blu-rays. The, the, the whole, the whole Phantasm series. Maybe these movies are good, maybe they're not. I paid about $50 for them. I guess I'll find out. I have this uh, incredibly crazy kink to my uh, DVD Blu-ray collecting, which is that I only buy films that I have either seen or highly presume I will like. That's a a stupid thing to do. I don't know why you do that. It sounds like an insane person. Look, Finn. Yeah. I've got one thing to say to you. If you like the show, why not leave us a review on please, uh, your, your podcatcher of choice? Uh, uh, um, it, would, we, it would be great if we had reviews that weren't written by us. Uh, well, you. I'm, I don't. I don't commit review fraud. Um, and, and tell your friends we're an acquired taste, but it'd be great if more people acquired it. Movies are good, even bad ones. Go watch them. Your backup is going? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you should start synchronizing us. Right. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Hey, Finn, how you going? Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> We're just immediately starting out of sync with each other. Just, yeah. in, just incredible. Um, uh, cause I, I earlier had a, I had a zoom call with a friend. Yeah. My one other friend, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's what I call talking to a mirror. The joke there is I do not consider myself a friend <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I was, I was, uh, talking to a friend and I was like, who I haven't chatted to in a while. And I was like, well, it's amazing how over zoom you can always just fall into natural rhythms with a friend. <laughs> and I want you to know that you crashing that opening so hard. It is is karma being repaid against me and not it's no ill doing of your own. Yeah.